So I also want to give an announcement that uh, this Wednesday will be our last Wednesday night Bible study going through Proverbs. So I hope you'll be there. Share with us. We're going to take our summer break. June, July, and August will be off. So we'd like you to get involved in the small group during the summertime. Okay? We'd like to start some more small groups. Uh, if you're a member of our church and you're interested in leading a small group, let us know. If you're willing to open up your home <clears throat> to host a small group, please let us know. So, if you're new, we always have new people every week, and I love that. And so I always like to tell you that we go verse by verse. It's called expository preaching where we pick a verse of the Bible. We don't just pick some topic and then throw our psychology in or whatever scripture we want to throw in. No, we study what God has to say. We believe God is speaking to us through his word. Um, Sometimes, you might have noticed this, but when... After I preach a sermon, someone will come to me and say, hey, we talked about that in our small group this week. I talked about the armor of God last Sunday, and Shelly Tracy said, hey, we're talking about that with the children right now. Um, We're doing this in our home group, and it's almost like as God is speaking to us uh, through these studies, he picks out a subject and he kind of sticks with it because he wants us to get it. He doesn't want us to just go past it because it's so important. And today we come to a very important subject. Um, And wouldn't you know it, at my brother Mark's funeral, the verse he told me, his last words, basically before he died, that he wanted... Galatians 6.14, so if you weren't at the funeral, let me read it to you. It says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul Paul and Mark, who said it's his life verse, what they're saying is, anything that I've ever done for God, I give the glory to Jesus. I could never do this on my own. We should never boast in ourselves. And so that's why why I'm calling this sermon Boasting Baloney. And I'm not talking about the terrible tasting lunch meat. I'm talking about the slang word for baloney that means nonsense. And when we boast in our own strength, our own power, our own accomplishments and we don't give thanks and glory to God, that is nonsense. And Paul had to deal with that nonsense, and that's what's going on uh, when he's writing 2 Corinthians. So let me give you the context of it. Paul is writing the second letter to the Corinthian church. Um, He has to defend his integrity his apostleship. He's talking about how God gives us comfort even through our trials, even through persecution. But he's always dealing with these troublemakers in the church that are always attacking Paul and trying to tear down a church. 
Last week, now remember, this is a letter, so it's still the flow. Last week, Paul was talking about demonic warfare that we go through, spiritual warfare. And now he starts talking about boasting. Well, again, we think of demons. We think of demons. We think of, oh, they're, they're going to try to get us to do something really crazy. Oh, they're going to, you know, they're trying to possess us. They're trying to scare us. But think about it. What was Lucifer's main sin? Pride. He boasted, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. That was his sin. What was the first sin in the Garden of Eden? Then when Satan possessed the serpent, whatever that creature was, and told Eve that she could know more than God, basically. And this will, you know, you'll be able to boast so see, it's, it's all about pride. It's all about boasting. So I want you to know what demons are doing the most is trying to get you to boast in yourself, trust in yourself. So this is so important that we all get. So we left off at verse 7. And Paul says, says in verse 7, look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ." Let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. So Paul is saying, guys, saying, guys, look at the obvious. Consider the evidence. Jesus told us, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit of people, teachers, and you will be able to tell if they're really of God if they're really telling the truth. Look at their life. And this is what Paul's saying. Guys, look, you know me. Paul, Paul's like, if it wasn't for me, I came and shared the gospel of Christ with you. And, and you got saved, and the church has started. And it's kind of like they forgot about that already. And, and I, and, man, I've seen this. I've seen this in my ministry over the years. You have people, they come to church, and they're a mess. They don't know anything about God. And so you welcome them. You love on them. You embrace them. You share the gospel with them. They become a Christian. They get baptized, and they are just excited. And they begin to grow and get involved in the church. But all of a sudden, like two years later, two years later, they get around some troublemakers. They, they read some false stuff. And they get distracted from the simple devotion of Jesus Christ, as we're going to talk about in the next chapter. And all of a sudden, they know more than you. They know more than the pastor that's been doing it for almost 40 years. And all of a sudden, they're the experts. And it just amazes me how some of these people, and they don't realize that the enemy gets in there and attacks them and gets them off track. I want to just encourage you to be careful. Stay focused on Christ because you can so easily be led astray. And you might wonder, how could these Corinthians not look at the Apostle Paul 
and say, he's, he's the man. But they're, they're, they're listening to these false teachers that are doing nothing but causing trouble in the church. While Paul's doing all this ministry, all these miracles, you've you got to ask yourself, how could they do it? Well, how, how did Adam and Eve in paradise with God, Jesus Christ, obviously in an angelic form, walking with them in the garden of paradise, how did they see all that and yet get deceived by the serpent? It's powerful. It's powerful. So sometimes you just wonder, how are people believing this or being led astray by this? Because it's demonic power, and they don't, they don't stay focused on the Word of God and their devotion to Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. Paul says, I'm, I'm not ashamed for telling you that Jesus Christ gave me this gift of being an apostle. And he's, and he's not boasting about it in a prideful way. He's just trying to get them to open their, their eyes up to it. And you see, there's a good boasting and there's bad boasting, okay? If you boast about the right thing. So, like, if I say... I've been telling people lately, hey, I see somebody with kids and I invite them to church. I go, hey, you got to come, you got to bring your kids and see what our children's ministry is doing. I mean, they're teaching them to play musical instruments. They're memorizing scriptures. They're just excited about it. Well, that's kind of a boast, isn't it? Is that, is that a bad boast? I don't think so. Obviously, we're giving glory and thanks to God for that. We're doing that for the glory of God. But, then, but we got to be careful because all of a sudden we start bragging, uh, look at all our numbers in the children and look at what we're... We all got to be very careful because the enemy will take us to that side of boasting and looking at ourselves and not giving the glory of God. But when we tell people, when I tell people, if somebody asks me, hey, what do you, what do, you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. Is that boasting? <laughs> I don't know what, how else to answer. That's what my job is. So, you know, and there's also false, there's also false humility. Oh, praise the Lord. Everything I do is for the glory of God. And I do this and I do that. That just gags me with a spoon. Remember that show? <laughs> so, Paul, Paul is saying, I'm trying to tell you guys, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Look at the evidence. Look at the miracles. Look at the souls being saved. Look at the power of God. Don't be deceived by these guys that are being negative and are doing nothing for the glory of God. Verses uh, 9 and 10. He says, I do not want you to appear to be frightening you with my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his Bodily presence is weak, and his speech of no account. So Paul's there saying, listen, guys, even though I am an apostle, I'm not trying to frighten you guys. I'm not trying to scare you guys. I'm trying to help you guys. Sometimes I have to, 
I have to be bold and tell you things. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you, but yet, in a sense, I'm trying to tell you the truth. And especially when it comes to heaven and hell. And, you know, at my brother's funeral, I was a little bold about it. I just basically said, there's two lines. There's two lines you're going to stand in. One, one is in the line to go to the throne of God and be rewarded. And the other is go to the throne of God and be sentenced to hell. And I said it graciously, but I know that made some people uncomfortable, but it's the truth. And so Paul says, I don't, I don't want to scare you. I want to help you. And then, then he kind of mentions how they're attacking his appearance. He's weak in his bodily presence. He's, his speech, he don't even know how to talk right. And here was the deal. These troublemakers, these false teachers, they couldn't deny the power of God working through Paul. So they had to attack him physically. And the Corinthian church, they were, they were into the worldly wisdom. They were into saying the big words. So when Paul would come to town and just give him the simple gospel message, and Paul was a very intelligent man, very educated man. But he didn't go there. He didn't come and try to give big educated words. He just gave them the simple gospel, and it was powerful. Some of you like that about me because I'm not going to get any awards for eloquence. I don't even think I just said the word right. Um, you know, but that's just it. It's not about that. It's not about using big words and trying to impress people, but that's what the Corinthians were tempted by. So these teachers are going, look at how eloquent we are, and Paul comes in, and he, he's just a regular old speaker. Yeah, but his, his, his speech, his sermon had power. All, the other ones, all they had was emotion. And so, this is so good. Remember what the scripture said about Jesus. It said the people, the common people, heard him gladly. He spoke with authority. Jesus wasn't yelling and screaming making a big emotional impact to bring attention to himself. Jesus, but when Jesus spoke, it was the power of God and the people were gripped by it. So this is what Paul was doing. Jesus was in him and he was speaking with the authority of Jesus. Verse 11, he says, let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Paul says the people that are saying that I'm something different in my letters than when I'm with you, let them understand I'm the same person writing the letters. I'm the same person when I'm with you. There's some application there, isn't it? Are you the same person at work tomorrow that you are in church today? You say the same things in church that you would say in work tomorrow. And that's what Paul's trying to get at. Wherever I am, I'm the same. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, that we don't, like when I'm at the pulpit, I'm teaching the Bible. And if I talk about heaven or hell, and if I say you don't accept Jesus Christ, you're, you're going to go to hell, right? So I talk about that. I teach about it. So then when I, come, when I go outside and shake hands, 
you know, I'm kind to people. I'm gracious to people. I don't shake their hand and go, remember what I said? You might be going to hell. You better get your life right. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's appropriate times for appropriate things. And I think the Holy Spirit leads us in all that. And we as Christian people need to be careful. You know, I always use uh, Seth, Dr. Seth Postel, I'll call him for this illustration, our missionary over in Israel. I always like to use him as an illustration. And I've had other people come and tell me all their credentials and everything, and I make sure I tell them the story of Seth. Because Seth, when Seth first came to our church, he didn't boast that he was going to Bible college. He didn't boast that he was a missionary. He just started sweeping sidewalks. He just started talking to people and helping people. He wasn't boasting and bragging of of what, what he's already done and what he wanted to do. And I will tell you right now, the last time I spent with Seth last year, Seth, who is now a doctor, who is now writing books, who, who God is using in a mightily way, he's the same man today than he was the man sweeping the sidewalks out at Sable Street. And that's character. And that's how we need to be. And we need to, if we were weak in those areas, we need to grow in those areas. Verse 12, he says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. In other words, it's a fancy way, it's my title. That's all nonsense. That these guys are commending themselves and comparing themselves with other people. We do that, you know. We're, we, we compare ourselves with other people. We're so tempted. We're so tempted to compare looks, um, compare pastors do it, Christians do it, we compare ourselves to other Christians and we try to outdo those Christians and, and we don't even realize that we're doing these kind of things. And so I will tell you, if you're a person that compares yourself, here's what you, one of two extremes is gonna happen. You're gonna compare yourself with other people and you're gonna lose because you're never gonna measure up to the gifts that person has. So you're always going to feel insecure and you're going to feel bad about yourself. Or you can compare yourself with others. And this is what we do. We try to find others that are a little bit, that are worse than us. And we like being around them, see, because then we think we look better or we are better. And what this does is it makes us look down on others. And so people compare and that's why many people, many people are going to stand before God because, they, see, they, they're comparing to others and they're going to say, well, hey, I wasn't as bad as so-and-so over there. And that's just not how it works. I heard the story of uh, these brothers, Bob and Bubba, that lived in their town and they were just wicked guys. They were known for their drunkenness. They were known for violence, fighting all the time, beating people up. They were in, in jail, out of jail, and everybody, they were notorious. Well, Bob was kind of the 
older brother, he was kind of the leader of the brothers, and he was a pretty bad guy, but his brother followed in his footsteps. And what happened was Bubba died, and no pastor would do Bubba's funeral because we can't, how are you going to get up there and do a eulogy about God with these brothers? And so Bob, notorious for his wisdom and control, he, he put an ad in the paper, I will give $5,000 to anyone, any pastor that will do my brother's funeral. And sure enough, pastor that needed a little money came forward. And, but Bob said, listen, in this sermon, if you want the 5,000, you have to call my brother a saint. So now the pastor didn't know what he was going to do. He really didn't want to lie. But at the funeral, the pastor got up there and said, hey, I heard, I heard you. I know you guys have heard a lot about Bubba and all the bad things he did. But compared to his brother Bob, he was a saint. <laughs> I used that $5,000. Me and Darla got a new couch. Uh, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but think about it. Does Bubba stand before God and go, hey, I wasn't as bad as my bro brother Bob? This is what people think they're going to do. We compare ourselves with others. And you got to understand, we are all sinful. We, you, you compare yourself to God, that'll humble you. You compare yourselves to others, it'll fill you with pride and boasting. You always find somebody worse than you. So we need to compare ourselves with Christ. I can't compare myself to other pastors. I have to compare myself to Christ, which obviously makes me fall short, but it keeps you humble, and it keeps you growing, and it keeps you seeking his strength and his power. Verse 13, he says, but we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard in the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even to you. I like that. There's application there. Paul's saying, we're not going to boast about what we've already done. We're not going to boast about all our plans and what we're going to do. We are going to focus on what God has assigned us to right now, Paul's saying, we're going to focus on you. There's no sense in me getting up here. It would be nonsense to boast about everything our church has ever done and start telling you all the plans and boast about everything we plan to do. I want to focus on you today. You today. That's, my, that's what God has called me to do today. That's what God has called you to do today. Focus on where God has you today. So many people just get so sidetracked from that. I know many people, they mean well. They mean well. They, they want to do something more for God. And they always talk about it. I want to do this. Here's my goal. Here's my plan. And then they tell you everything they've done in the past. I just don't know how many times over the years I've had, I have these guys come to me and they tell me all their education and all their credentials and what they want to start. And they're trying to get me to trust them. 
But the more they talk about themselves, the less I trust them, you know? And it's like, you know, I talked to a guy not long ago about that, and he was just telling me all the things he wants to do and all the things that he's done. And, you know, I tried to be gracious with him, but I just, I wanted to just say to him, just do it, man. Just do it. If you do what God has called you to do, and that's, go back to Seth. Seth, just where he's at, he served God. He focused on God. Everything else fell into place. But what happens, these people end up going from church to church, telling these churches all that they've done and all that they want to do, and they never do anything. So be careful of all that. You don't have to do anything spectacular for God, okay? All you got to do is be where God has you today and be faithful. When, when we stand before Jesus, it's about faithfulness where we're at. It's not about how big our church building is or even if we build a church building. It's not about how many people come to church. God, God doesn't care about that when I stand before God. He cares about whether or not I was faithful with the people he brought. And that's the same with you. You, you, might, you might feel like you got a job that's not that important. You might feel like, man, I, I just, I'm not gifted and I, I can't. Listen, it, be faithful where you're at and God will reward you. That's it. It's so easy, but we make it so hard and we look for something. And I think the devil messes with people like that. So don't boast. Verse 14, he says, for we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we are the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. Paul, Paul said we didn't extend ourselves with stuff that didn't matter or try to, do, try to please everybody in what they wanted to do. We focused on the gospel. Verse 15, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that your faith increases our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. So right there, what Paul's saying is, again, that's about comparison. He's saying, we don't try to outboast the labor of others. We don't try to boast and try to make you think we're doing better than these other churches or these other ministries. We just focus on you, the people there, and we just want your faith to increase and if your faith increases in Jesus Christ, it says, it says the influence among you may be greatly enlarged. If we just stay committed to the simple devotion of Christ, we preach the gospel and you get saved and you grow, you come to Bible studies and you grow and you become a servant in your church, automatically you will influence others. It just, it spreads. It's awesome. And if you're not a part of that, come be a part of it because it's awesome to see God's work. It was, it was awesome to look back at my brother Mark's life and, and remember all the years of ministry and, and the people that he influenced. And many of you are sitting here today because of Mark. What was it, something spectacular? No, it was the simple devotion to Christ. Verse 16 says, so that we may preach the gospel in the lands beyond you without boasting of the work already done in another's area of influence. So there it is again. He just keeps reiterating that he's staying focused on what God's called him to do. 
Once he does this work, yes, he'll go to another place and, and spread the gospel. But until, until we can get you Corinthians together, I can't move on. So just stay focused on Christ. And then the final verses, and I love these verses. This says it all. Verse 17. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's, that's Mark's verse. May I never boast in anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ. If you want to boast, boast about God. Boast about Jesus Christ. Always boast about what God is doing in your life. You know, years back on Thanksgiving, we used to always have a Thanksgiving service. And I loved it because it gave me a week off of preaching. And I could focus on eating my Thanksgiving dinner. And in these Thanksgiving services, we just brought a pulpit and a microphone. And the idea was come and share what you're thankful for. We had to stop it. Because so many people came to the microphone and just boasted about themselves, gave glory to themselves. Started boasting about other people and thanking other people. There's nothing wrong with thanking other people or appreciating other people. But it was, it's a worship service is designed to worship God, not boast about our accomplishments. Some people would get up, yeah, and give glory to God, and it was so awesome. And then other people would get up, and they wouldn't stop talking, and that's when I wish I had a trap door button. Boom. But... But it's sad, it's sad, and I see this. Be careful of this. This spiritual attention people want. There's something about us. We want to look like we're a good Christian. We like bringing attention to ourselves. You know, um, some of these churches where they're jumping around and waving hands, and, and you've got all this emotion going on. And I'm not going to judge anybody's heart because I know, hey, David danced before the Lord. He got excited, right? Hey, if they get excited for God, that's great. And they're excited in their heart, that's great. But can I be honest with you? A lot of that is for attention. They like attention. Okay? Somebody says amen in the church. Hey, there's no sin saying amen. You know what amen means? So be it. Amen means I agree it. I agree with you. But sometimes when somebody's saying amen, you know why they say amen? Because they want attention to themselves. And doesn't that what happen? You know, that's why when I listen to a sermon and I love what the pastor's saying, I say amen in my heart. Because if I yell amen, everybody's going to look at me. And people, we just don't realize people are tempted with this spiritual attention. We need to humble ourselves before God. If we want to boast, we boast in the Lord. We, we've got to try our best not to bring any attention to ourselves. John the Baptist said it right. He must increase, I must decrease. Every Christian ought to memorize that verse. He must increase, I must decrease. We boast in the Lord. Verse 18, the final verse says, For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. So there it is. You can commend yourself all that you want. Other people can commend you 
and tell you how great you are. But when it's all said and done, Paul's saying the only thing that's going to matter is what the Lord commends and what was pleasing to God. So many people are going to go to the judgment thinking God's going to be so impressed with all the people that commended them and praised them. Not going to work. You get, when you stand there, it's not going to be how many likes you got on Facebook. It's only going to matter if God liked it. It's not going to matter how many tweets you got retweeted. It's only going to matter what Jesus approved of. And this is where we need to get our focus. And this, and we need to give glory to God. There's a story in, in the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 20. You can read the whole story if you'd like later. But it's about King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a good king, one of the few good kings of Israel. And King Hezekiah was one of these guys we see in the Bible that in the beginning of his ministry, he did good things. He was a man of God. But, but then toward the end of, end of his ministry, reign as king, he got sidetracked. And King Hezekiah was famous for praying. He prayed to God because Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, who had an army of 250,000 people, was coming to attack Israel. They, physically speaking, they had, there was no way they had to just surrender to this demon-possessed army. And Hezekiah prayed. He was a man of prayer, a king, a king of prayer. And he prayed, and God answered his prayer. As Hezekiah praised the Lord in his prayer, gave glory to God, like, you're the only one that can help us, Lord. And God answered the prayer. An angel went in. An angel came that night to the Assyrians. 185,000 soldiers were killed by one angel. Hey, you don't want to mess with angels, okay? Um, we think they're the cute little people on the Christmas tree. Uh-uh. 185,000 men died. It freaked out the king. He, he, he ran away. He didn't mess with Jerusalem anymore. God intervened, answered Hezekiah's prayer. At, now, fast forward, at the end of Hezekiah's life, he got sick. The prophet Isaiah came to him and said, God says, get your house in order. Your days are numbered. You're going to die. Hezekiah prays to God, and he says, God, have mercy on me. Spare my life. And so he, he humbles himself before God and prays, and God spared his life. God gave him 15 more years to live. The king of Babylon heard about Hezekiah's miraculous healing. And so he wanted to come and talk to the king about it. He was very interested. And so the king of Babylon comes, and when he comes to talk to Hezekiah, instead of Hezekiah giving glory to God and telling the king of Babylon, listen, God was the one that gave me all these victories. God was the one that healed me and answered my prayer and extended my life. When the king comes, Hezekiah starts showing him all his riches. Hey, look at all this money I got. Look at all this stuff. He's boasting of his accomplishments. 
and he failed to give glory to God. How sad. And the prophet Isaiah came to him and said, basically, you know what you just did? You just told those evil guys from Babylon how much money you got, and they're going to come get it. And that's exactly what they did. And Isaiah said, your sons are going to pay for it. They're going to be taken captive. And Hezekiah says, Hezekiah says to the prophet, well, at least I'll have peace the rest of my life. So your kids are going to be taken captive by Babylon, but at least you're going to have peace the reign of your life. I mean, what's wrong with this guy? Is this guy? It makes you wonder, is he a true believer? I think he was, but, but people get sidetracked. They get sidetracked by their pride, by their accomplishments, by their boasting. Don't be a Hezekiah. Don't start out good doing things for God and then all of a sudden looking at your accomplishments and never giving God glory for it. Because in the end, that's all that matters is what we've done for Christ, right? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Pray with me. So yeah, been hearing a lot of talk about boasting, <laughs> studying my brother Mark's favorite verse, just in other areas. And I'll tell you, when God speaks, he speaks to me first. It's convicted me to be very careful about boasting, be very careful about trying to bring attention to myself being drawn to, to pride instead of humility. So I pray that God would help me stay humble and stay focused on Jesus. I promise you, if you stay humble, the Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You don't have to boast about your accomplishments. You don't have to fight to make it to the top. You gotta humble yourself before God and God in his time will lift you up. Just serve and be humble where you're at. It's a beautiful thing. Where there's humility, there's peace. Where there's pride, there's stress. I'd rather have the peace. Heavenly Father, I pray for these dear people, God, that came to church to worship you today. Lord, I pray you'd bless them. I pray, God, that their ears heard what they needed to hear. God, I know sometimes I, as a man, I say things humanly. I pray that when people hear the human side of Frank, they don't even pay attention to it. But God, when they hear what your word is saying, through your spirit, I pray that they would respond, they would love it, they would be obedient to it. Help us, God to stay humble. Help us to be careful of our boasting. Sometimes we don't realize we're doing it. Help us to be very aware. And God, when we accomplish something for your good, God, when you bless us in some way in this world and we have some type of success, may we 
always, always be thankful to you for it. May we always give you the glory and the thanks for it. Because without you, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. I pray, Lord, that someone that's searching, I pray, God, you would touch their heart, draw them to you, change their heart, change their mind, put peace in their soul. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.